0: Welcome to the Pursuers of Peak Performance podcast, the podcast for PTs and fitness business owners to produce more. The pursuit of peak performance is an ongoing process to produce next level results in every aspect. The purpose of this podcast is to share the processes and procedures that peak performers use to produce more. My name is Cody McAuliffe and I'm the founder of the Pursuers of Peak Performance podcast. I see the proverbial bar of the standards within the fitness industry is way too low. My purpose and my passion is to raise that bar so that the fitness industry can live up to its potential. Let's get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Pursuers of Peak Performance. Today's guest is a phenomenal guest. He is actually a part of our mentor team for the Peak Performer Program, accelerating the growth of personal trainers in the fitness industry to become the new standard. His name is Ian In has a wealth of experience. He was one of the founders of PTA Global. He's been doing movement and motion coaching for years and years and years. Has multiple courses that are run all around the world. And I'm really excited to be able to share with you guys his wisdom on this call. So let's get into it. All right. Awesome. Today's guest is Ian O'Dwyer. Thanks for joining us today, Ian. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure,
1: Caddy.
0: Do you mind just giving us a little bit of a background about uh, your history in the fitness industry and where you're at today?
1: Code? I guess I've come from a, a typical sports background and, and you know, it's interesting. My What drove me into the industry was predominantly, little did I know, but it came from a horsing background. My dad was a horse breaker, brothers were horse trainers. So I learnt about various types of conditioning and, and strength and nutrition and all that sort of stuff from a very much an equine basis and then of course played a lot of sport myself had a bucket load of injuries in the afl and something sort of tweaked in my mind then that something wasn't congruent with what we did with how we conditioned people with how we were trying to get optimal performance out of them but more importantly how we were actually getting recovery out of them because if we conditioned our horses the way that we were being conditioned as athletes we would have been sacked as trainers. The horses would have been continually breaking down, their performance was sub-maximal, and you wouldn't have longevity. So I guess, you know, after 25 years of being in sport, and then um, I worked as a plumber for 20 years because coming from a large family of eight boys and one girl, you had to have a, a trade behind you, as Dan would always say, just in case. So, but that was good because what the plumbing taught me was to become a problem solver, and, going into the fitness industry, as it was called back in those days, and I guess I call it the wellbeing industry now, it really enabled me to be able to take areas of the unknown that we still don't have a, I think a really clear perspective on and create solutions. And what I mean by that is this, is that you know I did my diploma back in 97, and then I started a personal training studio and the studio I, I actually started or bought in, in those days from Richard Boyd, it was very traditional, three rooms, lots of cardio equipment, lots of strength equipment, and a little massage room, which didn't really sit that well with me because I loved the I loved the setup, but all I knew was I'd spend 20 years doing that and I was, I was a walking wreck. So he went and bought a, a business, or sorry, he went and created a business called Personal Training in the Net, which within six years was the largest educational uh, website in the world. So in 2002, he invited me across to the States I got to work with the guys who looked after, you know, Lance Armstrong, Michael Jordan, um, the Williams sisters, you know, some of the biggest names. And they were physical therapists, they were strength conditioning coaches, they were holistic healers. Um, they were varied from one side of the, of the planet to other, and it was fantastic because it really gave me a chance to express what I was trying to do, and these guys in the States were doing something at the next level but they were still probably missing stuff. And then I met a guy called Thomas Myers in 2007, who started to bring some of the missing points together by talking about connective tissue and fascia. And I guess for me, Cove, what's really been nice is along the journey is that all I'm really seeing is that the biggest thing that affects performance is emotion. So all these people have tipped in the biomechanics of it and then I meet Tom who starts to tip in the you know, biosocial and the bio and, and then I've met other people on the way as well. So all I've basically been able to do is tip this, all these ingredients into a pot of soup now and stir it and make a recipe that has been really successful for not just performance, and I don't mean just elite athletes, but I mean corporates, I mean mums, I mean dads, I mean kids with learning disabilities, I mean people like me who have a bucket load of injuries and still want to be able to do what I want to do at 70 and i've not only created performance but i've created longevity and i've created the happiness so that they enjoy their training they enjoy their outcomes
0: yeah cool thanks for sharing in terms of that where do you think i guess the fitness industry as a whole is at at the moment in terms of movement
1: movement is a really big word um i probably use the word motion more these days i think the biggest thing that the reason why fitness has always been in the movement is because we've, we've used the word exercise and we've understood exercise to a certain degree in the fact that we've isolated and now we're starting to get into this integrated three-dimensional perspective people are wanting to know more about it um, but are still not necessarily on the money we've got allied health professionals who are wanting to now get into the movement sector and they're craving to get people with information but more importantly application I think we've got lots of information code. I don't think we apply it well. I think if you looked at most of the trainers in the industry, I've travelled the world since 2002, and I would say probably 90% of coaches and trainers in our industry move very poorly. And that's not because they want to. It's because no one does an appraisal or an assessment on them. No one, when they go into a program, gets them to a stage where they can say, okay, what feels a bit gluey or sticky today? What do you feel you're not moving well from? So it's interesting, mate. I think the industry's got lots of information, but I think it's got very little application and effective application. And I, and I feel that's where my drive has been in the last 15 years, 20 years, is to actually get people to be able to apply this stuff better.
0: Yeah, cool. Awesome. In terms of that appraisal process then, what, uh, what, what does that look like? Is it just like just visually looking at people? What is it?
1: That's a really, really good question, Kurt. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it, because, you know, from a, a business perspective, and I don't, know, I don't know what people, you know, think, but I do know what people feel is that we've all got passion to help people and to get people to be successful. But if we don't make money out of this, we're wasting our time because we won't be able to financially sustain it. So every time I think about what I do, I think about cause and effect. I think about how do I make something that's going to give the client a solution because if I give the client a solution, then really what I'm selling them is a relationship. And if I give the client a solution, that relationship now builds strength. And if I give the client solution, that relationship now builds my business. So, When it looks as an appraisal, and I use the term appraisal because in our industry we're not qualified to assess as such. That's what a physical therapist does or a chiropractor does or, you know, whatever. So I think that the smartest thing to do is I have a 2 prong approach. I use four movement patterns that I get people to perform, and those movement patterns are everyday patterns, sit and reach, step and reach. They may do something supine or prone on the ground, and they'll certainly do gait. You've experienced what I do. And then what I'll do is I'll actually get them to give me feedback, because at the end of the day, you've been in the gym long enough now, you've exercised your body enough now, you know how your body feels when it's great and when it's not so great. Your feedback to me on what those patterns feel like is imperative, because you can actually start to articulate in your own being what you need in those areas. All I've got is a huge bucket of tools that I can say, right, if you want that, I can give you this. If you want that, I can give you this. And as we apply those tools now, we start to observe, me observe, you feel the changes. And that's what gets really, really cool because we can start to look at the relationship between the ankle, the knee, the hip, and the T-spine and see how that moves. Once again, that key word being movement, how it moves. But then when we start to implement movements with, Challenges that you enjoy now. We start to see how that feels in motion because now we start to bring in physical mental and emotional stuff and that's really important and that's the uniqueness of what you're bringing in Peak performance is you're not making it something. That's an isolated vision. You're encompassing the whole lot so with our appraisals, we've got to encompass the whole lot We've got to encompass the client the human being not the human body We've got to encompass us, not just the trainer, but the business, so that it has this relationship now that is powerful because what we start to produce is something that is qualitative but is also quality. So our business rises because of our results, our business rises because of our relationships, but more importantly, our business rises because of the respect we gain because we show the integrity and the authenticity of what we practice.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100% agree, it does take that all encompassing approach to be able to then create the highest quality standard trainer within the fitness industry as well. In In terms of something that you just mentioned there, you talked about like a, a step test and a sit and reach test. Is, is there any specific reason that you use language like that? Yep, yep.
1: Okay, the, uh, what I've found over the years is when people come into our rooms, they just want to please you. So, you know, you could basically say do a handstand. Even though they couldn't do a handstand, they'd be busting to try and get on their hand, try and show you that they can do it. So, the biggest thing I've learned over the years is, is change your language, change your outcome. So if I say to someone, okay, I want you to do a squat, they're gonna try and bust their backside to get it to the floor, even though their knees might be cranky or their ankles might be restricted or they've got lower back pain because it's the relationship they're trying to please you. So if we can change our language, a lot of times now we give them permission to move within their time frame, to move within their motion frame, to move within their emotional frame. And that's a really cool thing because in business, You and I both know if we work together in a relationship, then that relationship means there's a to and fro. But if it's a dictatorship from the top down or the bottom up, then the relationship doesn't last. If someone comes into your space and you start now putting them into positions that they're not comfortable with and you're forcing them with a language that they're not comfortable with, then the relationship's probably not going to last because they're not gonna be successful. So I changed the language to allow them to sit and reach. Sitting is something they do every day. Sitting is something that they can actually identify with. But more importantly, they'll only go to where they can actually feel that they can go to, where if I say squat straight away, they're going to try and get to the floor. So stepping, you know, we step in various directions. We sit in various directions. We have to get off the floor. I've got a four-year-old child, so being prone or being supine is really, really important. So it's interesting, mate, because the language changes everything. And and when you get people to walk, as I say, you've experienced this, and you walk and you go, hmm, how does that feel? And you go, yeah, I don't know, I've never really thought about my walking. And yet gait tells us so much, right? It's, It's just weird. But it's just getting that connection now. If we can get our clients to connect to themselves, that means that us as guides are now starting to have the effect to actually build the relationship and to actually empower them to get the results that they want because realistically our business KPIs will be the empowerment that we can give these people because we're not going to be with them 168 hours a week, are we, mate? Yeah. So it's really important that we can actually give them tools, give them strategies, give them structures, but at the same time allow them to know that it's okay, that there is no wrong or right. There's just consequences to our actions
0: yeah cool hundred percent agree with that. What do you find I guess then is the biggest limitation out there, so most people are focusing on just exercise and repetitions and just increasing the weight and things like that what do you what do you think the greatest limitation is in industry? I think Cody,
1: my observation now is this is that you know I was involved with a company called pTA Global who started some stuff back in the two thousand late 2009, early 2009, late 2009, it might have been, yeah, 2009. And we brought to the marketplace a different language. Now everyone's talking about that language. They talk about functional anatomy, they talk about, you know, behavioural change, they talk about uh, energy systems, they talk about all these things. I think the problem we have, Cody, is that we don't put these systems into a manner in which we look at the human being. So in other words, you want to lose weight, so people come to you to exercise to lose weight. If people come to me and they want to lose weight, I refer them to someone else. Now, the interesting thing about that is is because you and I both know weight loss is primarily about what you put in here and that is primarily about what goes in here. What's the why? And the why is brain, heart, viscera. There's lots of things. So realistically, we've got to once again put this... Jigsaw puzzle back together in a manner in which we address all things and I think The industry is really good at addressing certain things, but not encompassing the whole puzzle, you know Everyone talks now about high-intensity training. Well, that's good. But what about if you're already inflamed? That might be the worst thing you could actually do because inflammation is going to drive now Depletion of the immune system depletion of muscle growth depletion of recovery, you know blah 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 Everyone talks about fascia. That's okay but what's its role? It's not the secret. It's just another part of the puzzle. So if we can take all these buzzwords now, if we can define them and give them a role and then understand how they all fit in, that's where I feel the industry would become most successful and most powerful. But at the moment, I feel that there's not enough people who want to collaborate because you know, in the years gone past, there's probably been a lack of trust because we haven't built successful relationships or long-term relationships.
0: Yeah, cool. 100% agree. And I think it's very much creating that all encompassing approach, getting those people together who are the top lead people in all of their areas to be able to create that all encompassing approach. And that movement motion is a critical component of that, which is exactly what you bring to the table with the things that we do together. In terms of you said that mindset becomes that critical component. What how important is like someone's emotional state when they come in for an appointment then?
1: Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. You know, when you first came and met me, because we've all got preconceived ideas, right? We all all hear things about people and what they do and blah, 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 blah. So there's already an emotional attachment to when you walk in through the front door about what I'm expecting. So the biggest thing is I always say to people, I've got three minutes. If I can in three minutes connect to you and allow you to breathe and laugh and have a smile, then the very first thing you're going to do is you're going to suspend expectations. Now that's critical because what that creates, mate, is – the ability for me to see the real you. So if I can have a person who is in front of me who's got a smile on their face or who's happy or who has the ability to express what's happening in their body, then now I've got a chance of seeing how they really move. But if I've got a person who's locked down, rigid, not being listened to, is under stress outside the door and and under stress inside the door, that's not going to give me a true indication of what I'm really seeing or what I've really got to try and do for this person. So if I've got a person in front of me who, you know, wants to have some lean body mass and I try and start to coach them in a in a manner of which they're still emotionally frozen or jammed or blocked, my ability for them to get a result today as far as a happy, healthy body, is probably going to be really, really small. So it's important, you know, and that's that's one thing that we will be really looking at when we go through and, and implement, you know, this philosophy is how we can actually connect with our clients, get our clients to And in fact, what they will do eventually is actually be able to choose what they want to do in the session. As we go through and empower them with why we do things and how we do things and look at how the execution looks now, they can get to choose because, once again, they'll have a style in which they want to move. They'll have a tool or tools that they really gravitate to. And it's kind of funny. You and I both know when we get stressed, we tend to go back towards the traditional side of things and just do stuff we know. But when we're feeling pretty casual and pretty, you know, okay, we'll do something a bit more funky and we'll, we'll sort of fly a bit more loosely. So it's, it's interesting, you know, our movements, our, our choice of exercise, our intensity is all driven by how we are emotionally today.
0: Yeah, cool, 100% agree with that. I guess then, like, how important does the motion and the movement component come about it, to it? Because, like, so far we've just been talking about all of the things around the movement that create the movement, then what about the actual movement component of it? So the movement component really,
1: you know, I I, I feel that I've been very fortunate working with the people that I've worked with is, is it's given you a bigger perspective of how we can actually fit movement to people rather than fit people to movement. And now, you know, we've got some very simple questions that we'll ask and we'll actually define whether that person is more of a traditional type person with the way they move. Do they want to move with movements that they're actually, you know, very familiar with and they're very structured with and they they love to work a certain body part on a certain day? Or are you a person who just says, you know, I love movement, give me some strength, I don't care what it looks like and I can get out there and be really sort of quite functional or progressive? Or are you a person who sort of sits a little bit in between what we would call a hybrid? So our movement will be very much based around the person in front of them. They'll, they'll, they'll have a choice to choose whether they're a traditional type person, a progressive type person, or a person who's actually a hybrid. And that emotional effect then will be perfect because what happens if, if they can choose their style and we'll ask some more questions which will actually determine maybe what their sports have been, maybe what their hobbies have been. So now we're starting to get a glance of what they've done in a previous life, which enables us to now start to hook into what their emotional status to a sport. So, for instance, me, I grew up with horses and I played AFL. Now, if I go into a gym, gyms I don't like. And I don't like them, not because they're bad places. I I don't like them because of the emotional stuff that I've been through, the pain, the hurt, the blah, blah, blah. But in saying that, you give me something that smells like leather, whether it be a football, a Bulgarian bag, you give me something that I spent most of my life emotionally attaching to and loving, football and horses, I'll work out forever. I love it. So it's interesting because with exercise, with movement, we'll make sure that we code you to your style, code you to your level, code you to your your emotional area where you want to touch something that actually makes you feel good rather than touch something that actually, you know, makes you not feel so so good about yourself.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Very much sounds like it's all about your ability then to be able to get the most out of people based on you being a coach rather than just putting people through movements. Would you find that at all? Cody, we, we have to get to a stage where we start to
1: create people who are successful. So for the average Joe Blow who just wants to come in and just be a personal trainer, that's fantastic. But I wanna work with people who want to offer people the best, who care and who create opportunities for their clients and themselves to actually evolve. So coaching is a huge part of it. Coaching is really where we have to listen, connect, and empower the people to be able to be in charge of the session. You know, you come into my room and, and you ask for certain things. If I ask the appropriate questions, I'll give you those certain things. You walk out with a smile on your face, which guarantees that you come back to see me. But if I don't do that as a coach, if I don't listen, if I don't guide, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, we did a, we did a session code and I could have gone through and said to you, okay, this is what I see. I see this and this and this and this and this and this. And that's really cool, but it's not so cool for you because you can't see that, right? Yeah. So it doesn't mean anything. You know, I spent seven years travelling the world, learning from the best about various assessments, and all I got was confusion because at the end of the day, what I was seeing with most clients, the clients weren't feeling. So what I've got really good at now is I've got really good at being able to see stuff through the movement patterns. I've got really good at having tools or movements or challenges that I can give those people. But more importantly, I've got really good at asking and listening and seeing whether there's a congruency to what I saw and to what they're saying. And nine times out of ten, there is. Nine times out of ten, they're actually closer to the mark or they'll give you the big tip because you'll go, oh, is it ankle or is it hip? And they'll go, oh, you know what, my hip feels really glunky. Perfect. Let's go there. One, they've just told you their hip feels guggies or glunkies, so therefore they want you to do something for it. Now, it might be coming from the ankle, but the important part is I have now given them what they wanted. Now, as a coach, that's really important because as a parent, I know that if my son or my daughter, as they're growing up, wanted something that was going to be comforting to them, I would try and give it to them so they had security and safety. We're no, we're no different as we get older, Code. Okay? We all want security and safety, but we also too want to be heard and respected as a client
0: yeah 100 percent. and it's very much about striking that balance of giving them exactly what they want but also what they need as well do you find that huge Kate, you know what you're creating here i'm really excited about and i'm excited not
1: for the results that it's going to give people but for the evolution it's going to give the industry because you know i see things from probably a different perspective i look at the bigger bigger picture all the time and you know, how it's going to help me evolve, how it's, how it's going to help the, the people in the team evolve in the relationships it's going to build. And the exciting part is then who's going to take that and how are they going to evolve it and how can, you know, we then guide them in, in evolution. So, you know, it's all encompassing. No one person knows everything and no one person has enough time to know everything. But if we can just add our little bit of brilliance into this team, into this relationship, it's going to be very, very exciting.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. And then it just comes down to getting those best people in all of their industries and then collaborating with them to be able to raise the standards for everyone to be able to create that, I guess, that peak performer trainer within the fitness industry as well. In in terms of, I guess, how people come into, I guess, moving better, What is what does that look like for a coach in the future? What's What's going to be different about, like, how the industry is at the moment compared to where you see it evolving to. Jeez, Kate, you're giving me some pretty big questions here, brother. This is, uh, <laughs> I'm
1: actually quite enjoying this. This is really starting to put me back where I really want to be.
0: That's what I'm here for.
1: That's a sensational question. I'm, I'm trying not to laugh when you're actually asking it. Um, <laughs> guys, I wish I knew he was going to ask. We've done some research now, I'm going to joke. <laughs> Kate, the, the really cool thing about what the coaches of the future are going to have to do is to create an ambience to create a vulnerability of themselves not create this me versus you or this is me the perfect coach because my body's perfect they're going to have to be more rounded they're going to have to understand that this is a human being not a human body they're going to have to have empathy compassion they're going to have to have strength and honesty I think probably one thing they're going to really have to do is before they actually even start along this journey of becoming a peak performer is to understand their values and understand their beliefs. Because then when we start to understand our beliefs, we can start to, you know, triple down through our choices, triple down through our awareness, which is going to give us a peak outcome. So it's it's exciting because, you know, all through my sporting career code, I was probably, you know, born too too early and I look at the style of sport now, it would have been perfect for me, you know, running game, blah, 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 good skills, all that sort of stuff, wouldn't have been as taxing on the body. But in this industry, you know, I'm probably, you know, ahead of the pack, not because I'm brilliant, I'm ahead of the pack because I'm constantly challenging my bias. I'm constantly challenging what the industry is doing and whether it's being effective or not. And people are intending to change the industry for the better, but unfortunately the perspective for a lot of people hasn't been successful even though their intentions have been on the right path I feel that the the really the biggest thing that we bring is the is the honesty factor to this to this round table because what it creates now is we're people who are have been in industry for a long period of time now we know the highs we know the lows you won't get you know whipped cream on top of your on top of your coffee just because it tastes good you'll get to understand the reasons why we do things a certain way that's what leadership is all about so in a word I would suggest that what coaches have to become in the future is leaders
0: yeah 100% and I think that's part of the evolution of the industry as well because when people have tried to change it they've just tried to make it a little bit better of each of the little aspects rather than allowing it to actually evolve into something completely new, which creates what is the new standard within the fitness industry rather than just making just a little bit better nutrition, just a little bit better movement, just a little bit of mindset just thrown in into the mix rather than evolving all of those things, bringing all those things together to create an all-encompassing approach in every aspect and then also create a business out of that and then understand where the limitations of that are. So even if you are doing some form of, NLP or mindset coaching to start, then it's like knowing where your boundary is to when to refer to a psychologist or to a dietitian or to a physiotherapist and understanding that raising those standards becomes critical and also knowing where the boundaries are to be able to refer to the person who is the the next expert up. Do you find that as well? Gadi? Uh, if this me doing the interview,
1: I would want to take that take right there and I would cut it and I would put that on the very front of this because that is exactly how I feel. I think, you know, we've had all of these improvements along the way, but no one's had the guts to go to the, this is the level we have to get to. And what that's created is this fragmentation. You know, we haven't got relationships with the allied health professionals. We haven't got, you know, relationships with the business sector. We haven't because of the fact that we've, we've, we've tried to do little things, but we've segregated ourselves. What we're trying to do now is encompass a package that addresses everything. We're trying to create sustainability, we're trying to create humility, we're trying to create solutions for people across the board who strive to be the best that they can be. Now, our industry will always have people who will want to do static stretching or they'll want to do traditional movement. As a coach, that's fantastic. And, that, and they will change people's lives, that is brilliant. And then you'll have people out there who want to get really crazy and do you know all sorts of weird stuff and and get you know very esoteric over there that's fantastic we're trying to create something here now and we know what we've done has worked we're trying to create something now that takes it to the level of let's put this into a system now that can rise the industry and rise it in a very scalable manner and that's incredibly important but I'm very serious go back and cut that section mate that was fantastic
0: that's it, exactly that's the whole goal of it as well. It's just working with all of those people in a collaborative way to be able to create the actual solution that we need in the fitness industry rather than just making either fit people fitter or just creating an actual, I don't know, the perception of the fitness industry is just not that we're really making any change. It is just making that the fit person fitter and then there's all of these perceptions of what personal trainers are and in the reality of the situation is that's only a small component of it so by creating a new completely new standard for people to raise to then that creates it'll almost clean out the bottom of all those people who aren't necessarily being in the fitness industry for the right reasons and i think that's going to be a good thing and it's going to be a transitionary process as well to be able to help those standards go up
1: cody would it be a fair statement to say that a lot of the people who Uh, in the industry, and I don't want to be egotistical here, and I don't mean that way, but that are more to the lower end of the spectrum, they've never really been asked or they've never asked themselves why they're in their industry. They're just sort of trickling along doing stuff because they love it. But what we've got to understand now is if people are paying money for a service, it's gone way past you just doing what you do because you love it. Mm. We now have a responsibility. We have a huge risk if we don't do this well as coaches that there's legal ramifications that can come back to us now. And that's why it's super important that we do collaborate with the best business people, with the best allied health professionals, with the best, you know, professionals across the board that can bring the best information and application so that we know that we all work within our parameters of what our roles are. And that's what I love about it. That's, you know, that, the, the word that I live by is collaboration.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome. And I think that becomes important as well in terms of when you're collaborating with the best people, it's all about for the people that are gonna be going through the course, creating the best experience for them so that then they create the best experience for the client as well. Because in this day and age, people are more than happy to pay for a premium for an experience. If they're going to a studio, they're gonna pay a premium because they want that experience. They go for a three-hour hike just to take a selfie for the experience, and then it's then lining up your business around those things, around those trends, being the highest possible service to those people possible so that you can give them the best experience possible. So that then then layers back into the business component, because if they're having the best experience possible, then they build up that base to be able to have a referral-based business, and that just consistently grows and lays onto itself and then it creates that snowball effect for those people who create that highest level of service and their businesses as well. Do you find that?
1: Cody, as I say, once again, there's a couple of, we've got to cut a couple of these seconds out. They're, they're terrific, mate, they really are. Because it is, it's true. I've got a brother who, you know, he's 74 now, he had the most successful horseshoeing business in Australia, you know, and he learned from the very, very best in Victoria and sold his business for, a, you know, a great uh, price many years ago. But he has always said to me, price is forgotten long after service is remembered. He's always said it to me. And, you know, obviously it wasn't his saying because he's not that smart. But but it it rings in my ears. I had a lady come in this morning. I'm not a cheap person to come and see, but you will get a service and you will get an outcome. She has spent three times the money that she spent this morning and in 10 minutes we got an outcome. So she said, why did I It doesn't matter why. The important thing is you can consistently meet the clients where they need to be met. If we practice our craft, if we create the environment, if we then create the experience, they will always be people who want to be knocking on your door to come in and and see you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the foundation of that just comes down to just surpassing people's expectations. Most personal trainers out there just either meet or they meet people's expectations or they're actually below them because they thought that they'd get a better level of service, they thought they'd get a better result. So then it comes down to, all right, if you want a a business that's gonna be based on referrals, based on creating uh, something that's self-sustaining, then it's like, well, you just have to find ways to consistently surpass expectations. And then I believe if you can create that all-encompassing approach of nutrition, mindset, genetics, movement or motion, then you create that all-encompassing approach to consistently surpass people's expectations because at the moment, the expectations of the fitness industry, it's it's almost easy when you have all of those skill sets to be able to stand out and create a business because it's just like most people's expectations are only ever met and it becomes almost easy to then surpass them. Do you find that?
1: Yeah, I do. And, it's, and I think that's why now the business side is actually starting to become... It's always been important, but I think the business side now is actually becoming more important because as we're seeing, especially in social media, we've got people who are getting you know, 10,000 Instagram likes purely because of their genetics, not because of their application and outcomes or experience. And that's okay for a very short period of time, but the trouble is people are going to start to buy into that at some stage and they're going to get disappointed. That tarnishes our brand. And, you know, when we've been in this industry for as long as we have, Cody, and we've, we've committed and we've invested, we haven't invested financially only, we've invested through our heart, through our soul, emotionally. And when someone does something on something at social media, and I'm on it because of the fact that my business, um, I really get upset because it hurts our brand. You know, to cheapen it, to lessen it, to dumb it down, to show disrespect to it. That's just, if you, if, you were, if you were working for a company and that happened in your business, you would sack that person straight away. But our industry doesn't, or hasn't, I shouldn't say doesn't, it hasn't stood up for itself and said, you know what, we don't accept that. That's not, that's not what we do. We've just let it all roll through. And, you know, unfortunately, as you say, that's why the industry, I think, has become fragmented because people have almost become scared of collaborating because it's so easy. And what I'm seeing now is. I'm seeing people who are being master trainers in various organisations and they're starting to take each organisation and they're starting to almost mix the language out of each organisation, which is a bit frustrating because now you lose the authenticity of each brand and you're not sure where that language or those terms or that system comes from, which cheapens the brand. So, you know, what we want to be very clear with is that when we have people in our businesses that if I, if I use someone's term, I always reference them. I've got a physio around the corner that I, I reference all the time. I've got a chiropractor at the road that I reference all the time. I've got massage. That I refer and reference to them. Why? Because they mean that much to me and I respect them that much. And if we do that, that the respect that they have back for me now just goes tenfold. So, yeah, I think maybe it's it's certainly time, and I'm really excited that you know that we're part of the team to actually take this to the next level.
0: yeah definitely. I find that um with where the industry is going as well, it also creates more of that opportunity as well, with all of these people coming through who don't have that good a skill set creating online programs and things of that nature it also it means that all of those people start to drop down towards the bottom and then fade out as that creates more of a, an opportunity for people to be able to stand out as well. And then the example that you had today, it's like, well, it instantly highlights that you get people results in a faster possible time. And it creates that distinction between, all right, well, these are where people are meeting their expectations. And then there's this group of people over here that have gone through a specific process to be able to surpass every single person that they come in contact with, all of their expectations. And then it just flows on and it creates more of a, more of a push. And then that's how it raises the industry. For a long time, I was trying to help people at the bottom to be able to raise it from the bottom up. And it just doesn't happen because the bottom just holds it at the bottom, like the water level just stays there. But if you create a new standard through the top, then everyone has to raise to that standard or they just get left behind as well. Do you find that?
1: Code, I had a lady who came out from the States about uh, two years ago and she came out, you know, paid her own way out here, spent two days with me, did a two day you know, one-on-one mentoring with her. And <clears throat> at the end of the two days, we did a business plan, we did marketing, the whole lot. And she said, I never expected that. And I said, well, what I'm concerned about here is it's okay to know and apply, but we have to make you sustainable. I want you to have a business now that you go forward with that, that works because I am now part of what you do and I want you to be successful. And it was interesting, you know, over those two days, listening to the conversation, her marketing was very, very easy because she consistently used the word "invested." I've invested, I've invested, I've invested. I loved it. I've invested time. I've invested money. I've invested my, my, um, my ability to be able to go and play sport. I had to actually take that away. I've invested. So all of a sudden now, that, that key word was what was part of her marketing statement. And it was you should have seen her just grow the more we used it in that approach. So I think, you know, the, really the key word is, is what we're talking about there is, yes, the higher we go up the chain, the more people see the necessity to invest, whether it be time, whether it be money, whether it be self, whether it be relationships, and that's the people, they're the people that we really will make a difference with because of the fact that they see what we're doing. They have a vision. They have a passion. They're just not sure how they're going to get there. Yeah. But the Systems that we're going to apply is certainly going to help them and that's that's very true that the people there's too many people who Are content to just want to stay in the in this position here, and that's okay I've got no problem with that as long as the industry doesn't get dragged down by it and I feel with with where we're going and I feel you know with what I've seen around the world constantly now and and you know there's other stuff that, that that's coming through I think there's it's, the timing is absolutely perfect because now, if you can create a brand that has sustainability, it gives you an optimum experience, it creates solutions, and it builds a community, you'll win every time.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100% agree with that. Yeah. In terms of, I guess, what you think is the... the like, you've been very much talking about the language that you talk about. Like, even there, the language of going from like a cost or a price to investment, how important does that language come through in terms of how we communicate with our clients in terms of even in that example of a business example. So it's like, right, well, if I use the word investment then that creates a different thought process in their head, how do we create more changes like that around our language to be able to then have people work with us in a more empowering context?
1: Mate, I, I, I want to see your script. You've done a brilliant job. Today. I love the way you're out. Fantastic. Um, language is everything, mate. I, I, you know, one of my best friends and, and a guy that I, I I have a business with um, is a guy called Rodney Rodney Corn. And what Rodney's breed are doing is is defining definition. There's so many terms in this industry that we get lost in. And it's interesting, you know. I want core strength, or I want fitness, or I want you know whatever. But what does that mean? You know, what does that mean to that person? So for me, the biggest thing I struggled with when I first went over to the States, and I, mean, I was a country boy going to the States in 2002, so I thought going overseas was going to Tasmania. So all of a sudden, I landed in Las Vegas, you know, it's like, what the? Anyway, the biggest thing I found was, you know, these guys that I was working with and learning from, and they had, you know, they had bachelor degrees and PhDs, and, and of course, it's intimidating. And, and when... When you got a chance to actually sit down and just have a beer with them or a glass of wine, and they didn't have to be teachers, but they were just great people, their language changed, mm. and that was what I noticed the most. That's when people connected to them the most, not when they had to know the terms, whether it be neuroscience, NLP, whether it's you know physiotherapy or you know, whether it's being an accountant, because every organization, every Every occupation, every profession has a language. But the problem with us is we have squats, lunges, you know, bicep curls. But at the end of the day, that language doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't take us to an outcome. We can't put it into a recipe to give us the instant change to someone. Yes, it's a program that we have to work through over a period of months, years, decades, whatever. But what we've got to do first off is we've got to take away the fear and fear is associated, that that visceral response we have with the word sales. I love sales, but I only love sales because I know what I sell works. Mm -hmm. If I put my name to, you know, some sort of vibration, some sort of role or some sort of, you know, whatever, I know that I'm going with someone that actually has something that works has integrity, has a history, all of that sort of stuff. So it's really important that when we have languages, we have words, we have terms, we have topics, that when we use them, that we don't promote this response that is now a inflammatory response, a response that stops their breathing, a response that pushes you away from the conversation. And it's interesting, you know, Three beautiful ladies, and on a Monday we did a four-hour emotional session. And I'm not really sure what that looks like, Cody, because it's just what I do. It's just the way I train. Yeah. Um, but it was beautiful because it allowed me. To, it just allowed me to go through all of the mindset before we even got into the movement. And you know, and it was really cool because a couple of them are doing PH360, and, and so they, they knew a lot of the stuff, right? But the hardest part is, it's the stuff that's already stuck to them, the stuff that we're going to try and get off. Because the stuff that sticks to them now affects their mindset, their thought process, it affects their feelings, it affects their perspective of the environment, which then affects their behaviour. So if we can change language, if we can now give them, and, and, and this is the, you know, a really big thing that I, I love about what Cam does in the, in the way that he can change it. And, and, and people, the, the really true great people that I've worked with over the years make the complex simple. And I think when you can do that, and don't don't get me wrong, I think think we almost caused a problem there a couple of years back. We made the complex too simple. I think people have got to understand that we've we've got some pretty big stuff under here, but we can actually talk in a language up here that that then gives what we do more value. Because if we've got a language that allows people to now feel comfortable with, that allows them to actually not have to know the answers... Like, that scares the bejingis out of people, okay? To say that, I oh, it's okay not to know. What? But I've got to know whether it's a weak glute meter or, what, or it's an adductor problem or it's a... T-. Listen, let's just do some stuff. Let's see what happens and let's see if it changes. And then when we mean re-met- remetric it or retest it, let's see what happens. And when they retest it, my question is, now, is it important to know what caused that or to know what it is? And they go, Nah. no because now I know what I've got to do to get rid of it. Okay, boom, move on. Mm. So it's the same in business. You know, I've got a client of mine now, he's dead now, the poor bugger. I didn't kill him after the 13 years, don't worry. But it, <laughs> <laughs> and he was a very smart business person. He's a charter, and he used to call me a frustrated, frustrated accountant, because I, I love accountancy stuff, you know, yeah. and, um, but it was interesting, mate, because, you know, in our conversations, he had the same, he, he could take accountancy issues and I've got a couple of people who are just, you know, a million miles on another planet who are brilliant with business. And when I show them stuff and they read stuff, they go, "Oh, that's fantastic, and I read the figures and I go, what's fantastic about that? Like it's, they have another language, they see things differently, right? But what he really did for me, and this is where you learn from your clients, he broke it down in a, in a, in a manner in which you could sort of say, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that mightn't be optimal, but you know what? It's not the end of the world. So if we can address that and then address that, then address that, well, then our bottom line is going, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. So our language is imperative because it either makes a mountain or it makes a molehill mm-hmm. and it allows us to either chew the whole elephant or just to take a bite size. And you know what? It's the hardest thing to change in people because it's the subconscious that forms their language a lot of times. So we have to create little visions along the way that stops them before they speak and whether those visions are breathing or whether those visions are certain you know postures or positions or whatever it may be notices on kitchen fridges or whatever um but yeah change the language
0: change the outcome yeah yeah 100% agree with that and the biggest limitation i find is most people just unaware of the words that they're actually using they're just using words free will and they don't see the difference between the cost and the investment or a choice and a decision, all of these tiny little things that create completely different outcomes because they're just running, as you said, from their subconscious or their unconscious based on the conditioning that they've had throughout their life of that's just the word that we use. They don't create the association of sales, oh, well, how do I actually feel when I even just say that word and the association that I have around it. For you, it's just like, yes, I have the potential to be able to help another person by having this conversation about how they can work with me. And another person's just like, oh, I don't, uh, I'm uncomfortable, and then just going through and then starting to be aware of those things, things setting them up with an empowering context, and then going through the language, highlighting the impact of the language that they're currently using, translating that to an empowering context so that they can set themselves up for success. So,
1: yeah, hundred yeah. percent, and creating that habit, right? Creating that experience that when they, when they do, you know, we might say, okay, there's an opportunity. I love that word, you know, there's an opportunity. That's a sale. But there's an opportunity here for you if you're interested in this. Now, it's interesting because when, when you mention that word, you know, there'll be a, an expression, there'll be a feeling. And When you mention that word opportunity, I normally stop people and say, now, how do you feel? What are you feeling? What do you mean? That word opportunity, how does that feel? Oh, I, don't, I, I don't get it. How does the word sale make you feel? Oh, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So you know what sale doesn't want to give you? What is opportunity? Oh, it actually, it actually is non-threatening. It's actually quite easy to say. It's actually, you know, Katie, this is where your brilliance comes in and this is what I love about it is the fact that, you know, we've got to unhinge, we've got to take the habit out, we've got to speak to the unconscious, subconscious, you know, whatever we call it, but it's interesting. We've got to create that paradigm shift. And when we create that shift, wow, that's when it really starts to blow your mind with what we can do. And it's, you know, it's... It's interesting because that's where I guess from a leadership perspective, as I said before, as a coach, that's where it's going to be imperative that we do speak a language that allows us to connect to a physio, to a chiro, to an osteo, to a specialist, to a person in front of me, to my kids. And you know what, the first thing I'll, the first thing I'll say to anyone, now listen, and I've been in the game 25 years, mate, I know most words. But I might say to a physio, I'm not familiar with how you're putting into that text. Could you explain that to me? And yeah. they'll generally say, not a problem at all. Or you go to an account and say, now, listen, this is how I've been led to believe it works. Is that what you're talking about? Yep, yeah, perfect, okay. But that means that. So we've got to show some vulnerability because mm. if we do, people are prepared to help you immensely, aren't they? Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I find it that's one of the biggest limitations because most people just allow their ego they want to look good so they don't ask the question rather than actually just humbling themselves and just saying all right i just don't want it like the the most empowering thing you can say is i don't want to make any assumptions so this is what i see is that what you're saying because then you actually get the communication that you need rather than just going into oh this is just what i think it is and it could be just like a tiny little bit off but that tiny little bit could make the world of the difference to the client as well so
1: I had a lady come in the other day, Cody, and you'd love this. And once again, last week, another trainer brought her in, which was just so beautiful. And um, we did a session and, and, and she's this gorgeous lady. And I said, so tell me, what, are you, what, what can I give you? What would you like to have? She said, strength. I said, oh, fantastic. I said, so what sort of strength? And she said, well, you know, I just want to be strong. I said, okay, cool. And, you know, probably 30 seconds longer in the, later in the conversation. And I said, so you want to speak your voice? Now, it went from strength, I want to be strong, and she used some key words. And because she had given me some more and I'd listened, she said, yes, I want to be able to speak my voice. Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it, mate? It's, it's, you, know, you and I could talk about this for hours, but I, I love the fact that if we can just ask those little questions and listen, how much information you can get from people, but more importantly, how much you can help them hear what they're saying and what they're feeling and what their language is
0: mm.
1: and that's when it gets really really cool because that's when they go oh hang on okay yeah i get this i get this it's that judgment factor right
0: yeah yeah definitely 100 percent agree thanks for taking the time out of your day to be able to provide value uh to the audience and i really appreciate it and it's awesome to have you as part of the team for the peak performer program as well you're like the best in the field so really excited to have you on board for that as well so thanks for that
1: Code, you're a champion. I, um, look, I'm just really looking forward to this. It's, it's, I've been in the industry a long, long time. and I've travelled the world and I still travel the world. And What I'm excited about is someone's got the, the vision and the foresight to not only say this is what we need, because this isn't what we need in Australia, this is what we need worldwide. Yeah. Don't, don't be thinking this is just Aussie we're talking about here. I'm talking this is what we need worldwide. Because this is where we're going to. We're not going to the human body anymore. We're going to the human being. We have got to address everything. We have got to be sustainable. We've got to have longevity. We've got to have quality of life. And, you know, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, one, you know, of sharing some time and having a chat. And uh, as I said, I'm pretty impressed with that script you actually had in your head my whole
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's just here on this hand. Oh, no, it's gone. No. <laughs>
1: but no it's it's exciting times mate and i'm really looking forward to um going forward as as peak performer runs out and and as we get people into the into this now it's going to be really really uh it's going to be a very very watch this space
0: Mm -hmm. 100 percent agree awesome in terms of if someone has any questions for you what's the best way for people to be able to get in contact with you
1: Easy. They can either go to my website, odonmovement.com. There's information through there. Or they can email me on ian, I-A-N, at odonmovement.com. And I I answer all my emails. So there's no problems at all. All right,
0: buddy? buddy. Sweet. Sweet. Thanks, Ian. All right, Jeffy. Take care, mate. Cheers. There we go, guys. There's today's episode. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to pursue your own peak performance by listening to this podcast. I truly, truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to give back to the podcast, the best way to be able to do this is to be able to share any of these episodes with your friends, family, or co-workers. Alternatively, you can leave us a comment or a five-star review as these mean the world to us. Be sure to check out our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash of peak performance to join the conversation and get access to all the episodes before they come out on the other platforms. Thanks again for listening, guys. Catch you in the next
1: episode.